Are you a 3PL spending more time and money than you'd like recruiting and onboarding logistics roles? Then it's time to check out Rapido Solutions Group, the leaders in nearshore logistics staffing. Located right next door in Mexico, they have access to the freight talent you need. From carrier sales to tracking and tracing and everything in between, they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you're ready to get your time back and want to move fast, check out Rapido Solutions Group. Visit GoRapido.com to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Once again, we have video now, something that's new for the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. It's 2024. We're trying new things. We're learning new tricks all the time. But the heart of the show is still exactly what it's always been. We're sharing stories of founders who are starting and selling companies the way that doesn't get a lot of attention. It's very old-fashioned. Sometimes it sounds archaic to, to some people that you can start a company with next to no resources and build it and create value and not have to rely on outside funding. And then you control your own destiny. Um, you get all the highs and all the lows of entrepreneurship often resting on the shoulders of a single person. And so that's what we're all about at the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. And this week, we're going to explore one of those stories with uh, Steve Schlecht, who's the founder of OB Fulfillment. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You've been on an interesting ride. Um, can you first tell us a little bit about what you do in e-commerce fulfillment and how did you get into it in the first place? Yeah. So do you want to talk about OB, OB fulfillment or the current company, Busky? What, what you started in the beginning? Yeah. So I had started an e-commerce fulfillment company. Um, the, the primary service offering was fulfillment, but the broader vision was retail consolidation which is a little bit of a different angle on fulfillment. It's more, um, you know, case pick, you know, pallet, pallet in, pallet out. And uh, we can talk more about, about, about that, but uh, retail consolidation, e-commerce fulfillment. What about the fulfillment side do you find personally interesting? Like what drew you to it? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, my background is in logistics and fulfillment at PepsiCo. So, you know, I okay. have a good amount of foundation years there. Uh, I, you know, I would say just the complexity of it. I think the, also the other thing is that you, know, you get to see physically how products are moved around the, around the world, including within your facility. And you're really in the last line of defense before a product goes out to a customer. And I do, you know, that was one thing I really liked about logistics is that you're working with clients and you're really the front, a core piece of their brand. And that being the final step before going to a customer. And I think I like that part of uh, logistics specifically. There's something about fulfillment in, and logistics in particular that requires um, high spatial intelligence, which isn't something that gets talked about as a skill very often. Some people are very emotionally intelligent or they're really gifted with numbers or economics, you name it. But the ability to visualize in three dimensions how products can be oriented and how they move. I don't know if I've found as many, um, naturally, as many people outside of logistics that are even aware that that's a, a thing, except for like the dads who can pack the car really, really well like yes. for, a, for a family road trip. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, because I think we all have innate gifts that we're born with, and it often takes us decades to uncover what they are. And what you're describing sounds a little bit like that. There's a spatial intelligence piece or solving puzzles. Yep, were you, were you a good, were you a good student? 
Yeah, I would say it's a good student, but funny to say that, you know, I can remember myself uh, building Legos all weekend long when I was a kid. So if you want to make that, uh, that, uh, <laughs> make that comparison, I think there's a, there's a comparison there of how I got into logistics. For sure. Actually, I designed the layout for a brand new warehouse a handful of years ago, and okay. I used some CAD uh, technology. I used, uh, of course, a hundred Excel spreadsheets. And then I actually brought a giant set of Legos into like a fortune 500 company. And I, and I built the warehouse using Legos and they all looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, no, it's, um, until you can actually see it and visualize it, you're not going to see how other people aren't going to be able to understand in three dimensions what it looks like. And so when I had to expense the Legos, I it was like $500 cause a lot of Legos. And they're like, sure. why are you buying Legos? Yeah. It's for a warehouse. It's it's for a good cause. Trust me. Sure. Right. So, what what was the catalyst for you that you knew that you wanted to leave a career where it sounds like you were having a lot of success and do something on your own? That's a great question. You know, I, I like to think that I've always I've always wanted to start my own business. Even from when I was an early you know, teenager, I had side hustles out in the country where I was, uh, where I grew up, you know, skipping horse manure and whatever, picking mushrooms and selling to the local steakhouse. I had a, a bunch of side gigs. And, um, you know, the other thing I think that was important was that, you know, I grew up around entrepreneurship, which is a very unique, um, opportunity that I don't think many people get to have. So it was always there and it was always accessible around me. And just to know that you can do it and really anybody can do it. So, you know, I feel like my path was really determined from an early out, from early get go, you know, it's just, you know, it took me what, 10 years to go through corporate, uh, to figure out you know, what my start was. So, uh, you know, I had a lot of good experiences before that. And you know, I was at PepsiCo for just about six years and a couple of stint, a stint at a startup, uh, and then another couple of stints of consulting as well. And, um, I've been looking around for that opportunity where I could use my unique skill set and background to deliver a good uh, service offering out there in the marketplace. And, you know, I just thought it was time, you know, what, 31, it was what, 30 when I started my business. And based off of my experience, I thought that I could, have good, you know, I could make a go of it. And yeah, I did. It felt like you were ready. So what was the first iteration of it? You, you, did you go out and get a warehouse and, and start looking for e-commerce brands? How did you get your first client? Yeah. So funny enough, I actually had started an e this e-commerce fulfillment company what, back in 2019. And I just didn't, I just didn't, I didn't have all the pieces there. Right. And I had a couple more jobs in corporate that kind of helped me. I was, okay. I can actually do this. I just wasn't ready at that time. How I get my first customer. So <laughs> I was still working a full-time job in consulting and driving around the actually United States and Canada. And I think my first customer was off of Reddit. Matter of fact, really? Um, it was off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have a warehouse. I had no warehouse. It was just me and my apartment. And what did you do? Like what happened? So, yeah, I found this. So I'd use a service that would ping me uh, anytime somebody would say a keyword on Reddit or Twitter. And then, you know, you would jump in and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a few other E3Pals that do this. Um, but we'd jump in. That's funny because we all see each other commenting on the same post. Because <laughs> if you find the certain keywords, you can figure it out. Anyways. We, uh, so yeah, I, I found this woman, she's got this hot sauce company and, uh, she, I, I, you know, I explained to what, what the opportunity, what, what I was offering and my experiences was, and sure enough, she signed up and off to the races. Yeah. 
So did you actually go in, in the source space yourself or did you work through a third party? How did you, how did you execute it? Yeah, so good question. So that client didn't start for a while and I actually had onboarded a few other clients between um, that. And I, so, I, you know, one thing, one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to limit my risk, right? I didn't want to go out and get a huge warehouse uh, and I just wanted to uh, get the minimum viable, minimum viable product, right? Hmm. So I found a essentially a, a I don't want to call it a WeWork for industrial space, but it's kind of what it was. You know, it was Class C warehouse space in an old industrial building and kind of uh, I would say one one of the other neighborhoods of Chicago. So I just found a, a facility that looked like a huge warehouse. In reality, I had what two hundred fifty square feet of warehouse space, and but it didn't matter. I mean, I you know I still enough space for to do. You know, the service that I had um, sold for on. And so that's how I got my start. I had a small little space and, you know, there are two dock doors. Granted, those two dock doors were accessible to the, you know, 20, 30 other clients, uh, the other tenants in the building. But um, that's how I got my start. It's so humble. People don't maybe understand how small 250,000 or 250 square feet is. A 53-foot trailer has just over 400 square feet. So you are operating inside of a footprint of a 53-foot trailer doing e-com fulfillment. And that's that's about as humble and bootstrapped of a beginning as I can imagine. And Class C's warehousing is not exactly sexy. They're not... There's nothing sexy about it. No, it's dim lighting most of the time. There's no temp control in the in the winter or the summer. It's it's yeah, a grind. It wasn't in the best neighborhood either. And I there's some, I have a story around that. It, it was yeah, let me hear it. Oh well, I mean, I've you know, I was even taking I had taken a sales call from my my office, my my warehouse, right? And uh, let's just say it was what eleven o'clock in the morning uh, in March, and there was a, a shootout outside. And uh, I'm taking the sales call and uh, this client, well, and then I'm taking the sales call and, you know, pop, 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 pop. And the client's like, oh, what, what's that? And I'm like, oh, wait, how do you, how do you explain that one? Hey, your product's going to a warehouse that there was a shootout right outside. Uh, I actually moved on from that facility shortly after, but. Uh, Good for, I'm yeah, glad you did. It's a great story, but it's just part of, you know, being scrappy and getting your start though, right? When did you start to then feel like you found your rhythm and and you had something that was not only viable as a small business but something that could scale into something larger? You know, I I like to think I'm a pretty optimistic person, and I from from the get go and the amount of leads I was getting, I didn't you know I think people can say oh 250 square feet you know oh that that's it takes a while to figure out you're going to have traction, but I didn't look at the four walls as a validation point. I looked at the validation point being the amount of leads and my mm-hmm. experience that I could sell. So I was, you know, when I, I'd sold a few clients and I didn't even have the space to, uh, to put their product in. So what I would do is that once I finally got a client that was big enough, I went out to another 3PL knowing this is what I was going to do to partner so I could share space with them say, Hey, I've got, you know, I've got this huge client coming in. Can I share space with you? And matter of fact, I can use, I can help you with, you know, my expertise on consulting, whatever it helps stand up your 3PL. And that's what I did. I actually found another 3PL that was uh, starting up as well. And we shared space. And so that I moved all my clients into their warehouse. And, um, and so I just kept scaling or selling clients. And, uh, and I had more space with that 3PL as he would grow with them. That was kind of the idea from the get go. What's interesting about that approach is it's more rooted in cooperation 
than mm-hmm. competition that some people look at uh, anybody who's in the same space and say, I'm not going to share any information with them. I'm not going to do anything to help them because, you know, we're arch enemies. We're in the same business and we're going after the same clients. And I'm always somewhat surprised by that approach because the pie is so massive that the likelihood of you directly competing for the same piece of business frequently, even in the same city is often so very small. And so that mindset of just a scarcity mindset that I have to take as much as I can uh, always surprises me in the early stages of a company, especially when you're a billion dollar company. Yes, you've got to defend your turf no matter what. But in those early stages, you need every ounce of support that you can get. What do you, when you look back on that period of partnering with another 3PL, what do you think you learn from each other? Yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting question. So the other 3PL, I'm still good friends with them. There are you know, folks that have already exited huge companies, you know, $500 million companies, um, big companies. I think what three, three of the guys there had exited about half a billion dollar companies. This wasn't their, their first go around. You know, you know, I had worked with one gentleman, John Lage, I'll give him a shout out. And we had a kindred spirit in many ways, but you know, they think about business in a very different light than I do. And I, I think just partnering with another company can, um, to your point, as long as you don't treat it as a zero sum game, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sh- learnings that can be shared saying, Hey, I'm working, I, I'm learning that this, this tactic on selling clients is working for me. And then as long as you don't, again, as long as you don't look at business as there's some game, you can share that information and both of those, both you and your other company can grow at the same time. So yeah, to your point, you know, it can be a win-win if done right. So as you look back on the first, you know, couple of years of your journey, are there any things that stand out that you think, Oh, I wish I would have done that differently. I would have good question. A, you know, I would have probably have partnered with the 3PO from the get-go versus what I had done, which is, you know, gone out and find a small space. Um, I don't, you know, I find that clients don't, they don't, it doesn't matter t- too much to them if you're sharing space with another 3PO, as long as you're the face of it and ultimately responsible, it's okay. So I, I think from the get-go, I would have found a company like that I, I had partnered with much earlier on and I would have scaled much faster. Because um, you know we're out in the, the game. At the end of the day, it's a very capital intensive business, mm-hmm. and um, and you also want to reduce your risk, you know, your risk profile. So uh, I think that's what I would have done differently from the get go. And now you're at a place where you you have built a successful business, and now you have sold it, and now you're into a new chapter. Can you take us through what what was the the decision to sell? Like how, how did you get to that place of saying, I know the next right thing is that. Yeah. So good question. So I'll give you a, back, a little background to, to start. So my business was right. E-commerce fulfillment and also retail consolidation. And if you understand the nature of retail consolidation, you have you know, larger, I would say independent brands that um, are shipping to retailers across the country. Right. And uh, typically based with retail consolidation, you got, you know, you'll need, uh, your clients will take up a good amount of space, anywhere from 300, 500,000 square feet is probably what you'll need to start a retail consolidator facility. And I just didn't have the, well, first off, venture capital is really tough to get right now. And I didn't really want to go that route. And number two, it's very capital intensive. 
uh, opening up a warehouse and also just the fact that you have to make sure that you have clients that will cover the lease, right, and not walk out. Um, and you can structure, granted, you can structure a contract to cover that. But, you know, I realized that I needed a level of scale to compete with the big boys. And I knew, you know, and I thought that retail consolidation was really what I could offer to the broader market. So it's another reason why I was really honing in on, okay, I want to build up retail consolidation uh, as a service offer, as my primary service offering. But I'm going to need to find a partner to help me scale that. And it's going to take a lot of people and the industry is consolidating at the current moment as well. There's only what, what there's only around what three to four major players. So you know, I had found another company I worked with in the past and pitched them my my vision of what this could become, and you know, our, our visions aligned of what it, retail consolidation could be. And that's kind of how it started, and this, this conversation. So I and it was a win-win where I could still essentially run the business vertical with essentially 750 people as resources to help stand this program up. What has the transition been for you then personally, where one day you, you get to call all the shots and you have all the risk and all the reward. And then now you're uh, in a marriage and there is another person and another, another group of people that you have to take into account and company culture again, that can be good or bad. So yeah, I have a very unique situation. Well, first off, it's been phenomenal. I've known Buskey for what, seven, eight years, the Buskey Logistics team and the executive leadership team. And, you know, it's been great. And I, and I've had any recommendation, if had any advice to entrepreneurs out there thinking about exploring my, uh, what I've, what I've done, I, I highly recommend it just as long as the relation, as there's a relationship there or the, everybody's aligned with, you know, what your role is in the new venture or the new company, right? And, you know, with Bosky, you know, I've known, I know all the executive leadership teams. So it's not like I was coming in mm-hmm. as a, a new guy and no one really knew me. You know, I've, I've known these, these folks for a long time. Um, so it's been great. I still maintain my autonomy to a certain extent. Now, granted, you know, I speak the same, I guess, language, consulting language with a few of the executive leadership teams. So as long as I, you know, I'm delivering, uh, what, Hey, this is what we want to do, what I want to do, and why we should do it. Typically, it gets rubber stamped and moved on to the next step, right? But just as long as it makes sense. So it, you know, it, it takes a little bit more managing up, but that's okay. And that's a part of the, and that, that's just a part of, I would, that's just one part of, of what I, I knew going into it that was going to be a, a part of the process and part of the new arrangement. So if we zoom out and just look at entrepreneurship as a whole, there are a handful of storylines that are, common and you, you see them in movies all the time it's the the guys who drop out of college and write software in their garage and then you know build apple and that, that's a common storyline the other ones seem like they're oftentimes very straight lines of i knew that this was what i was going to do forever i was great at sales for example and i just went out found an opportunity and then i built the operations to support that and everything is great and there are a whole bunch of other variations what i like about your story steve is it's creative and and that it's unexpected. You didn't, you know, start entrepreneurship, you know, full bore until you were in your thirties. You had, you you learned a bunch of things, you know, shoveling horse manure and, you know, picking wild mushrooms and you, you learn the basics of buying and selling. And then you also learn the, the professional side of things working for big companies 
And then you're able to combine those skill sets into a very humble start. And then that evolved into something where now you're part of a large organization and you're getting to do it in an entirely new way and a new configuration of entrepreneurship almost. And the, the entrepreneurship movement is still very early. And so you've gone through each of these stages. And I find that remarkable that, that you can adapt to those environments um, so effortlessly. Where does that come from? Yeah, well, you know, I think also, Nate, that, you know, most of you don't know this, but you know, I've had a handful of businesses that I've had even in my 20s where I was working a full-time job and I was you know, tinkering with, okay, will this be the one? And, and no, ah. it's working in, you know, it's working in silence and it's not sexy, but I, to your point, I was not the type to just drop out of college or not have, you know, I had to put food on the table for myself. Right. Um, so in those experiences compounded into what I started, uh, with OB logistics. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's just getting more reps at that you know, to answer your question. Just being in the game longer. Being, yeah. As my friend would say, being in the arena. Yeah. Yeah. And then you increase your, your surface area to get lucky or to get, catch some tailwinds. It sounds like. Right. Yep any advice would that you would offer to somebody who is maybe where you were, let's say five years ago, you're working in a, in a large company. Maybe you've got a couple of ideas in the back of your mind on what something could be. What would you say to that person? I would say just get out there and start selling, you know, forget the business. I mean, business plans are helpful and they're good, but get out there and start selling, right? Take small little you know, risk, you know, throw a couple ads out there on Google or Facebook uh, it's not all going to hit, but you're going to learn every single you know little experiment you have until if you really want to start the business, I, I can guarantee that anybody that puts in the reps, they'll eventually be able to get out of the corporate job and start that business, but that's what they so choose. I dig it. Steve, thank you for sharing your story. I I know that your next chapter is going, you have the resources now to unlock the vision that you've had for several years. And that's really exciting to get to see somebody in their element and able to bring into existence something that um, they're passionate about. So what would you, if you look five years down the road, do you have in the back of your mind, like, I will know we've accomplished what we set out to accomplish when this is true? What, what does that look like? So good question. My goal is, you know, we should be a half a billion dollar company just in this vertical with hopefully within five to 10 years, we've got the scale and the resources to do that. And hey, you know, we've, I've set out a goal for our broader team that we should be able to do this and we should, we should, we have the talent in place and I would like to be the number one retail consolidator in logistics in the United States. Well, I'm not going to bet against you. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. <laughs> Where can people reach out to you if they want to chat or learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, Twitter, LinkedIn is great. Uh, feel free to email me as well. I can drop my email address to you or if you want to contact me. Yeah, go me. ahead Go ahead and just share it here. Yeah, it's at steve.schlecht at buskey.com. Um, feel free to contact me. Right on. Well, Steve, uh, thank you for sharing your story. I, again, I can't wait to see what, what happens next for you. And uh, we're all rooting for you. Appreciate it, Nate. Thanks.